Hey guys, welcome to a little bonus episode of Vanished in the Valley. I am your host, Athena. I just wanted to let you guys know before we start this episode that it will contain strong descriptions of child sexual abuse. My foul mouth will be at it as usual, so you'll have cussing to contend with as well. So just be aware this is a heavy episode that deals with child sexual abuse, and it's not for the faint of heart, but it is important that you listen to it. This stuff is going on today, you guys, just like it's gone on in the past, and too often the perpetrators of these crimes are getting away with either slaps on the wrist or absolutely no punishment at all when the victims are stuck with a lifetime of pain. What's up, Vanished Crew? Back for a little bonus episode here. Today, we're not going to talk about any vanished people or necessarily murdered per se people, but we're going to talk about a scandal that kind of broke in the late 80s and the early 90s in Omaha, Nebraska. It's commonly referred to as the Franklin Scandal or the Franklin Boys Town Scandal. Now, I spent a while reading some books about it. You can there's there's a great one by Nick Bryant called the Franklin Scandal. You can get that, and actually, if you get that, half the proceeds do go to charities that assist abused children. There was also a documentary on YouTube, um, and let me just let me start by reading you the a little excerpt from the beginning of this documentary. In 1993, a film crew flew from Yorkshire Television in the UK, led by producer Nick Gray and director Tim Tate. They went to Omaha, Nebraska in the USA to make a documentary about an alleged pedophile ring. Funded by the Discovery Channel in the USA, their proposed film would first be broadcast in the UK and Ireland as a part of Yorkshire Television's documentary series, quote-unquote, First Tuesday. A U.S. broadcast would follow. In Omaha, the film crew discovered the machinations of a vast operation functioning throughout the country, providing children to the wealthy and the political establishment for molestation, drug trafficking, and blackmail. This is kind of starting to sound a little familiar, like all this Wayfair stuff going on that everyone keeps saying is a conspiracy, that no way these celebrities are involved in this. Well, a year later, in 1994, the documentary, quote-unquote, Conspiracy of Lies, was to air in the UK. But during the final editing, with a first broadcast approaching, Discovery Channel inexplicably withdrew support and reimbursed Yorkshire Television the half a million dollars it had already cost to make it. To this day, the documentary remains quote-unquote unaired you can find it now like you know like I'm saying on YouTube you can go watch it it's about an hour long and I definitely recommend it if you want to get like down the rabbit hole in this fucking pedophile rich people it's just insane and I'm going to tell you about it today because a few episodes ago I brought up the Wayfair situation and in the beginning of it I had told everybody about all these uh 
broads, these women that would come to my account on Instagram and talk shit and basically say, this is conspiracy theory. Why are you even talking about this? There is no child sex rings. Well, let me just uh, take you back to 1988 when this all begins. So the people that are making the accusations, they are at the time back in like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, they were teenagers and they came from Boys Town, Nebraska. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Boys Town, but it was set up in 1917 by Father Edward Flanagan. And basically what it was, was like this huge home for orphans, like right after World War One, you know. But as times changed, it kind of adapted to house homeless boys, abandoned children, abused boys. And then eventually, they even let in girls. <laughs> They had a huge budget. They were worth around $500 million, and one-third of that money came in the form of donations. So they had a lot of money, and this money kind of attracted a funny character here named Lawrence King, who was a huge player in Nebraska for the Republican Party. At one point, he takes control of a credit union called Franklin Credit Union. It was failing when Lawrence King came in and took over. So he starts getting all of these power players in Nebraska to get accounts there, put money in there. And he gets, starts, you know, I guess talking with the CEOs over at Boys Town and gets them to put millions and millions of dollars into this credit union. And Boys Town wasn't the only one. The other bankers in Nebraska invested money in this credit union. The other top businessmen in Nebraska other politicians, suddenly this credit union is flowing in the cash. And at the time, Lawrence King was only making about $25,000 a year because by definition, credit unions are supposed to be nonprofit. So he can't be, and it's, it's not like he's, you know, the president of a bank and can make millions of dollars or whatever at the end of the year. It's not how it works. So in 1979, Lawrence King started his Boys Town relationship. It's claimed, alleged, that Lawrence King lured in Paul Bonacci and got Paul to start luring in other boys for the sex ring. And both of these guys, Paul and we'll kind of run into him later, but his name is Troy Bonner. They all give the same account and it's it's disgusting. This is this is going to be an episode where you're really going to have to put your big boy, big girl pants on because we're going to talk about some fucked up stuff in a minute. Okay, so like I was saying earlier, 1979 is when King starts this relationship with Boys Town, gets them to start investing the money in the credit union. He also starts getting boys from Boys Town to work at his several businesses that he has throughout Nebraska. And it's at this time that he starts luring in different children for the sex pedophile ring. In 1986, King is reported to the CEO of Boys Town, Father Val Peter. So in 1986, these reports start coming out of the sexual abuse. They, the victims are kind of refusing to talk at that point. They want nothing to do with that because they're being threatened. The state foster care investigators start to get involved because they start receiving reports about Larry King and his sexual abuse of multiple boys. 
They even, towards the end, start getting girls, little girls, teenage girls, in this child sex abuse ring. Carol Stitt, who is the director of the Foster Care Reboot Board, says she turned over multiple reports of children alleging several different abuses by Lawrence King to the authorities and no charges were brought. It's like if the actual director of this foster care review board can't get something done, bells should have started ringing back then. But guess what? They didn't. The abuse keeps going on. Omaha Police Department state they never received any reports from Carol. And she completely disputes that. She states they did. They absolutely did turn over these reports. In the reports, there's a few powerful men named. A couple of them was Alan Bear, and he's a billionaire businessman in Nebraska. Another one was Peter Citron, who was a journalist at Omaha World Herald. And just remember that newspaper, because they're going to come back into play in a minute. At this time, Larry's rounded up all these boys and these girls. He has leases on private jets. He has three homes. There's two in Nebraska and one in Washington, D.C. He's got all these fancy clothes, eats at expensive restaurants, and the police don't think anything's weird. The police don't think anything's weird about these child abuse allegations against him. You know who starts to think it's weird? The IRS. Leave it to the IRS to get pissed if you're not paying your taxes. <laughs> so... In 1988, the IRS initiates a raid by the FBI on the Franklin Credit Union because they suspect money has been laundered or stolen. They just think something is not right at this credit union. In November 1988, Nebraska investigators Lawrence Schmidt, he's actually a senator, sets up a committee to try to get to the bottom of the money. Where is he getting this money from? Check out the, the child sex abuse allegations. And he hires two independent investigators, Gary Carducci and Karen Armstrong. These two investigators were super thorough. They had videotaped evidence. They have videotaped interviews with the victims. They seem like pretty straight shooters. I watched some of these interviews with these kids. And just when they're describing the horrible torture and the sexual abuse that they went through... Their body is like physically reacting. There's one part where Paul Bonucci is being interviewed basically. And he's describing the abuse he received at the hands of Lawrence King, Alan Bear, and Peter Citrion. He describes being anally raped, tied up, burned with cigarettes, and basically tortured. Some of the torture and rape includes, you know, shoving huge vegetables basically anally raping them. There's one of them, Troy Bonner. He actually has scars all up and down his arms from the burns that he received from these people. Troy, I don't know, if you look at his interviews, you can just tell that he's been through some hell. He says that at these parties, there was cocaine, there was heroin, there was boys as young as 10 years old being raped. And he witnessed all of it. He says that Lawrence King was the most vicious rapist he had ever seen. He would be raping a 10-year-old boy and the boy would be bleeding and he wouldn't care. He would pull out and then go right back at it. He says this guy is basically just like a demon. Paul is cooperating all of this. We also get a female victim named Alicia Owen. 
She states that Lawrence King had handcuffed her hands and tied her feet to the bed. And this is all recorded. All three of them state this abuse has been recorded. So she's handcuffed and tied to a bed and gets raped by him. It's just, it's horrific. Somehow, the reports, police are saying they never got it. The Omaha police say these reports were actually turned over to the FBI and the Nebraska State Police. The Nebraska State Police and the FBI have come to the conclusion that it was just a carefully crafted hoax. The FBI went as far as to get Troy to call Alicia to set her up on the phone to try to basically get her to admit that it was all a lie. And from the conversations I heard that were supposed to be the FBI wiretapping, in my opinion, she never admitted that it was a lie. She seems incredulous that Troy has recanted the story. At this point, the FBI had threatened Troy so much that if he didn't recant, somebody in his family was going to get hurt or he was going to do serious jail time. And he was a teenager at this time. Of course, a teenager is going to be afraid and recant. Basically, what's in, what ends up happening is Troy goes before a grand jury and states that everything about the boy's town and the sexual abuse and the pedophile ring, it was all lies. And... Alicia, she sticks to her guns and she goes before the grand jury to describe just torturous scenes of being flown to Washington, being tortured by politicians there, being taken on midnight tours of the White House, which Troy and Paul had both corroborated. They both have stated they'd been on midnight tours of the White House. They say the person that took them on this little, I guess, uh, White House tour was Craig Spence. And you got to look into Craig Spence. He's a whole nother fucking nightmare story if you want to look into him. But apparently he gets arrested at a later date for running child sex rings or just prostitution rings. I'm not exactly sure if they even differentiate between the two later on. A lot of people discount him because he's gay and he did end up he had AIDS, and back then, if you had AIDS, you were stigmatized. Yeah, like I said, that's a whole other story, and I'll get into a little bit more about Craig Spence a little bit later, but let's get back to the grand jury. So, before the grand jury actually even starts his the case against these three, um, Schmidt, the senator that basically had the, headed the committee into the Franklin scandal investigation, he was told to turn over all the evidence that he had come up with to the FBI. And no sooner does he turn over this evidence, does the FBI leak the documents to the media, and the media began a campaign to basically discredit and mock the victims. Something that it happened now where victims were basically just destroyed in the news, that I just don't think it could fly now. But back in 1988, 1990, it was, they were fair game. They ripped these kids apart and totally just discredited them in the media. So Omaha World Herald, the newspaper that the accused journalist Peter Citron just happened to be working at, they were one of the main instigators in this campaign of like just total character assassination. That's basically what happened to these kids. So they get to the grand jury, and like I was saying earlier, Troy has recanted, but Alicia is sticking to her guns and basically telling them the tortures that she went through. Before she testified, the FBI had warned her, too, that if she goes before the jury and 
tells them about these people, names names, and tells them about the sexual abuse, that she will be prosecuted for perjury. And she says no, so she's going to tell them what happened to her. By the end of the trial, she's facing, check this out guys, you're not even going to believe what this child, she was like 15 years old, she was facing 9 to 28 years for perjury. There's like, at the time, there was not another case in the United States anywhere near a 28-year sentence for perjury for lying about sexual abuse in this case. So there's just so many things like that that are sticking out that just sound insane, like a cover-up. Like, why is the FBI leaking documents to the media about sexual abuse victims? That's just insane and unheard of. It really makes you wonder why. What was the FBI trying to hide? Were they trying to protect the businessmen that were involved? Were they trying to protect the politicians? Because the sex ring was brought to Washington and it's been said over and over again that the highest levels in Washington were involved in this pedophile child sex ring. So Alicia goes to jail. She's in prison for years. And at this point, there's really not much that can happen. Gary, you know, the original investigator that collected all the evidence, he thinks he has a smoking gun. He's received information that there is a little black book with names, dates, phone numbers, credit card receipts, canceled checks, that kind of information. So on July 11th, 1990, Gary and his son AJ are flying home from Chicago and their little private plane explodes. Both of them die. The first sheriff that arrived on scene states he found pictures of child porn scattered across the field. Well, guess who shows up to clean up the mess? The FBI shows up and basically claims all the debris, everything found there as evidence, and everything remains sealed. The whole National Transportation Report sealed with the FBI. All the evidence sealed. His wife and his brother... 100% think his plane was tampered with. They also state that they never got his briefcase back. So that remains missing to this day. At this point, we've got one person killed. And Troy, feeling bad that he had recanted on everything that he told Gary, decides that he's now going to recant the recant. And, you know, he gets up his courage and he's going to go talk, what's the guy's first name? Senator Schmidt. <laughs> But before he can even get in to talk to Senator Schmidt, his brother is killed in what is classified as an accident. But Troy Bonner and his mother both think that the gun he was using was sabotaged to explode. So there's just a lot of like crazy deaths that are ruled as accidental surrounding this case. The FBI is threatening witnesses to not come forward or to recant or else they're going to get years and years. And it's just, I just, everybody now with the Wayfair thing just thinks it's so crazy that it's, you know, this could never happen. The FBI would never cover up stuff. The government would never hurt its own citizens. And it's like, how many times does it have to be proven that our government does and will come after its citizens, hurt our citizens, force our citizens to lie and cover up abuses before the public realizes this shit goes on all the time. It doesn't is not washed away in the past. 
It's occurring right now, in this day, today. And now that, you know, we've got social media and things like Twitter, Instagram, it's like a huge place for word to get out to the people. But now even Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are starting to censor people. There's been users of Twitter, Twitter and Instagram that have had their accounts shut down for violating whatever policy that Twitter comes up with. But I mean, if you really, if you look into Twitter's policies, you can find some really fucked up things. Let me just tell you about one of their policies. So according to Twitter and their policies, pedophiles are permitted to discuss attraction towards minors and share some depictions of nude children. But if certain members on Twitter discuss the Wayfair child sex trafficking scandal, they can get banned. If certain members call out celebrities that have written disgusting pedophilic tweets on there, then they're going to get banned. It seems kind of ass backwards to me. Like, what is going on here? I know there's been certain steps to kind of normalize pedophilia. And if you look up CNN, there's different segments there where different anchors that all remain nameless are literally asking, should pedophiles receive our sympathy? And it's like, really? What fucking sympathy should they get? If you're a pedophile and you're attracted to a child, that's one thing. But if you're a pedophile and you're attracted to a child and you act upon that, that is a completely different ball game. And you either end up, in my opinion, you should be castrated or executed. Because you're going to ruin a child's life, all for your sexual gratification. And it seems that there just seems to be less and less protection for children nowadays. I literally just read about a man on Crime Watch Daily who raped a 14-year-old and had a whole lot of child porn. And he was sentenced to one-year probation. So it's like, what what's going on here? Is this just like more of let's protect the predators and prosecute the the children here, the victims, I don't get what's going on. So sorry, <laughs> back to the Franklin scandal. Gary's plane crash kind of ended all new witnesses coming forward. The CPS, Child Protective Services, they back out. They stop trying to get the police to prosecute it because they start getting phone calls warning them to stop their reports, stop their looking into it. Troy states that he only went to court and testified against Alicia because he was threatened by the FBI. Senator Schmidt, his committee was disbanded, and the committee actually issues a report denouncing the grand jury that indicts Alicia Owen. Senator Schmidt, and this is a quote for him, if any legislative committee ever tries to conduct a thorough investigation again, the same thing will happen, meaning all evidence will be struck down, any witnesses that come forward will be either sent to jail or threatened with violence. Schmidt now believes the institutions of government are broken. The victims are convicted and the perpetrators are protected. And that's not what America's supposed to be about. It's like, how did this happen? When did this happen? Has it always been going on? And why does it seem like the general public just has no fucking clue? How many of you guys knew about the Franklin scandal? How many of you guys think that the Wayfair child sex trafficking thing is just 100% conspiracy theory. Now, I'm not saying that the Wayfair thing is totally right on and 
you know, total fact. But I think there are some facts to it. And I also believe that the FBI coerced victims of a pedophile ring to testify against other victims. And then they threw one of the victims in jail. How is that justice? Alicia Owens ends up serving four years, four years for her conviction. She faced up to 28 years. And check this out. Lawrence King, they found out he embezzled $40 million from that credit union. He's only given 15 years. So I'm just like, how are you going to give a victim up to 28 years and this fucking guy, Lawrence King, only had a maximum of 15 years? It just, it doesn't make sense for me. And all of this stuff is just kind of in the past. No one was ever prosecuted for the child sex ring. As the years go on, a man named Paul Rodriguez, who worked for the Washington Post, started trying to dig around in here to find out what was actually going on. And he says that he could have gotten a client's list of all the people, the Johns, basically, in the situation. But the prosecutor had it sealed. And once those records are sealed, there's no getting into it. And they're still sealed to this day. You can't find out anything about it. I'm just like, if they can cover that up, what else can they cover it up? And Bill Colby stated something pretty, pretty smart, I thought. If you can get control of the media, the Justice Department, and the police, you can get control all the way up to the White House. And it seems like in fucking Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, they were able to achieve this. And to this day, the victims still have basically smeared names. They have never been vindicated in the media. And the disgusting pedophile men involved never served one day in jail for the sex crimes they committed against these kids. Now, the Boys Town Catholic priests, they state that they wish they had never gotten involved with Larry King. They say they had no idea any of the embezzling was going on. They basically denounce any of the crimes going on. They say it had nothing to do with it and, you know... They basically canceled all their relationships with Lawrence King when this whole scandal broke. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much you want to believe on that, but it just seems like a lot of this pedophile check sex ring is mirroring a lot of the stuff that's going on today. And the media is not talking about it. Not at all. It's I think it's kind of like also ties back to how back in the 90s they called it the satanic panic. And they highlighted the most extreme cases and made everyone think that everyone claiming that there was child sexual abuse or satanic ritual abuse going on in an organized fashion were insane. And I covered it before on an episode, geez, probably a couple months ago, about the ritualized sexual abuse against children. And the media at that time did a whole job on the victims, basically saying they're hillbillies or crazy have mental problems and the media only ever gives credit to two reports into the ritualized sexual abuse and what's funny about those two reports is neither of them interviewed one victim of sexual abuse for the reports so it seems like decade after decade there's a cover-up going on and, I, I mean, at this point, I don't even care if I sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. There's some bullshit going on, guys. And 
I don't even have kids. I'm just trying to let you know so you can protect your kids. There's something going on and it's being covered up. It can be covered up at the highest levels, but children are the target. So protect your children and do your due diligence. Look into what I'm saying. Look into the child sex abuse that's going on, how children are being traded on the internet, sold on the streets. It's happening every single day. So, I don't know, guys. Be aware. Don't forget your pepper spray.